Now, the sermon this morning has absolutely nothing to do with harvest, I'm afraid, but the, the reality is harvest is really important. I, I, it was wonderful seeing all those videos this morning and ways in which we can help, but I, I kept thinking to myself, the most important harvest of all, what is that? The harvest of souls, the harvest of souls. People need Jesus more than all of these things. These things are important. We must help people physically, absolutely, but most of all, people need the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16, and uh, we're going to be talking about walking in unity this morning, a uh, really, really important subject, something that, that a church must get a hold of and grasp hold of, because it's so important uh, that a church stays together. Far too many churches in this country are splitting apart over all kinds of issues. It's so important that the church remains together, and that's why uh, Paul uh, devotes so much time to be talking about it, not just here, but other parts of scriptures as well. Uh, unity is so important. Now, uh, my sermon's only that thick, you'll be glad to see. Uh, if you were listening to Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the famous preacher from Wales that uh, was one of the greatest uh, uh, that we know, his book on this same passage, Ephesians 4, 1 to 16, is that thick. Okay, that's just 16 verses in that. So don't worry, I'm not going to be taking that long, but uh, we, we need to really try and get into it a little bit. Now, I, I can't promise that I'm going to preach on every verse here, because there's a lot, a lot in it, and that's why he wrote such a long book. Uh, but uh, I will hopefully uh, give us a little bit of an idea of what Paul is trying to get at here in these verses. You know, we could probably spend a week on it. But anyway, it's an important subject. Unity is certainly not something that we see much at the mo of at the moment, is it? If we look at our TV screens, how many uh, prime ministers have we had and how many uh, chances of the exchequer? And, and it's constantly chaotic in, in our government at the moment. It's craziness, isn't it? Has, has there ever been a time quite like this uh, where our government is in such uh, disarray? There's been U-turns, betrayals, sackings, corruption, lies, sleaze, and, and all of these things have been going on, and, and our country seems to be in somewhat chaos, is, is really the word that we can only be used of it. You know, the, the, the sad thing is that this can be often the case in a church situation as well. Even in Bible times, it's not unique to, to, to our modern-day church. It's all through the church. There's been all kinds of splits over all kinds of things. And uh, it, it's sad to say that, that when Jesus says, says by this shall know, people, all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another, that church is split. How does that even come about? You know, how, how is that even possible? Now, as we look at our passage this morning as a church, we, it, we'll see here it says we are called to be united in our walk, our ministry, and, it, and in our ministry, and as we grow. Those are the three areas I'm going to look at. We, we're we're going to be united in our walk, we're going to be united in our ministry, and then as we grow. You know, churches fall out over kind of some of the most mundane things. I don't know if your church has ever fallen out about the color of the carpet. No, I hope not. No, there's a lovely gray up here. It's very neutral. Very, everybody can be very politically correct. Yeah, they can fall out over whether to use a piano or a guitar. Well, you use both, so that's great. No falling out there. What Bible version that they, could, they want to use, it can fall out over the very name of the church sometimes. All kinds of things. Whether we're this type of church or that type of church, a church can fall out over all kinds of things. And Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, 
and to the church really down through the, the centuries and right the way down to, to Lincoln Baptist Church here. This should not be. We shouldn't be falling out over these lesser things, these small things. The church must be united in the Holy Spirit. I love uh, the, the, the works of John Wesley. If you, you're looking back at a great story, John Wesley, what a man. I, I, I love him. He's one of my spiritual heroes uh, of, of, of the Christian history. It, it's just amazing. And I keep a quote above my desk all the time because I need to be reminded of this. He said this. Of course, he was a Lincolnshire man himself. He said this, Though we cannot think alike, may we not love alike. May we not be of one heart, though not of one opinion. Without all doubt, we may. Herein, all the children of God may unite, notwithstanding these smaller differences. And so often it's those smaller differences that split us apart. As you've been going through the book of Ephesus, you have seen in those first three chapters the very foundation of what happens in the second half of, of Ephesians. You've, been laid, you've laid down the, the doctrinal foundations of where unity even has to start. You have to be united in the very fundamentals of Scripture. We, could, we don't just hold hands uh, willy-nilly. It must be uh, grounded upon good doctrine. The Ephesians were, were far from God, weren't they, before the, the gospel came into their lives. They were lost in sin. Uh, they were children under judgment. They were doomed. They were outside of God's family, without inheritance, without hope. Now, the, the, the Ephesians and what Paul explains to them, they, they are saved. They are adopted. They are redeemed. They are part of the family of God, and, and they have an inheritance. And they have access to the very throne of Jesus Christ. What a difference. And all of that is laid out in those first three chapters. You and I have that same experience, don't we, if we know Jesus? All of those things, that wonderful inheritance, all of those things, all of those blessings, we have it. And as we get, get to think about those things, we should be shouting hallelujah this morning. Praise God, that's me. I have all of those things. And then as we get into the second half of the book, we, we see the practical implications of that. The fact that we have this wonderful salvation. So how does, what does that look like in general church life as we go about our daily business? You know, there will be no church unity without that solid foundation in the first three chapters. No amount of man-made schemes to get us together. All, that's, we, we, all the churches in Lincoln, let's just get together, let's get together. It must be upon a solid foundation. Not just this, this kind of idea that, you know, we, we'll forget about really fundamental differences. No, those, those differences are sometimes very important. But true unity comes from the Holy Spirit founded upon the Holy Word of God. So firstly, let's note that we are united in our walk. Let's just read those first four verses uh, there, first six verses. I therefore, a prisoner up for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to, to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, we're reminded here once again that Paul was writing from a prison cell. That's the first thing we learn, don't we? And he's reminded us a couple of times in the book of Ephesians. He was stuck in a dingy, dark Roman cell, yet not primarily, it would seem, because of what the Romans had done, but because he was the prisoner of the Lord. He was there in this place, and it reminds us that he was walking in a manner worthy of all that he was about to say. That he was living there. He was living out the Christian life. And he was suffering for it. It shows us that he was sincere. He was authentic. He was true. Uh, He was was humble of heart as he was was about to impart the truths that he's about to say. And he says, walk in a manner worthy of what Christ has done for you. Worthy of your calling. And if we are to be united as a church, that unity must be based upon Christ's example. When he calls us here to to all humility and gentleness, that's our Jesus, isn't it? When he says he calls us to patience, he says, well, that's definitely, that's our Lord. When he says bearing one another in love, that is our Savior, isn't it? That's his life. That's his example. When he says eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, who else but Jesus Christ is our perfect example of bringing uh, that peace? These verses remind us of of the so often quoted truth, Christ first, others second, me last. Well, that ties into our harvest this morning, doesn't it? Christ first, others second, me last. And if we want to see unity in our church, to, uh, to maintain our unity as a church, that must be our priority. Humility flies in the face of of human nature, doesn't it? Humility uh, shouts, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's myself. It's I. It's all about me. But God says, no, it's all about humility. It's all about gentleness. It's all about patience. It's all about love. It's all about peace. It's not about me. It's about Christ and those around me. We so quickly forget that as, as human beings, don't we? We forget that it says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. These qualities, oh, that they would permeate our, our gatherings, especially our members' meetings. Aren't they the worst place sometimes? I know I come from a Baptist church too. I know what they can be like. How important it is uh, for us to go humbly to those meetings, remembering that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, how many times do we see that, that people fighting for, for their own agenda in these meetings, rather than what's best for one another, for the good of the church, for the, for the light of the gospel in my community? What's good? Are we fighting for things that are really not that important? True humility True gentleness is required, says Paul. It says in uh, 1 Peter 5, verses 5 to 6, clothe yourselves, all of you. That's, there's no exceptions there. It says clothe yourselves, all of you. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Listen to what Matthew Henry says here. Only by pride comes contention. Only by humility 
comes love. The more lowly-mindedness, the more like-mindedness. It's true. It's so true. If we go into meetings, into situations like that, it makes all the difference if we come in with that humble heart. Without humility, without gentleness, and all these the attributes that follow here, there will never be a united church. And praise God, though, it's not something you're going to have to conjure up yourself. That's not something me, it's even humanly possible to talk about the humility that, that Paul is talking about there. No, these are basically the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You've only got to look there in Galatians 5, isn't it? It's the Holy Spirit that dwells within each one of us. Every one of you, if you're a believer, has the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. And he is the one that brings about these things in our lives. It is his fruit within our lives that is the outwork. It outworks in it as we grow in him. There's a warning, isn't there? The devil likes nothing more than to weaken church with division. And it does make us weak as we're divided and we're not united. As the world looks in and they say that they don't even get along with each other. What a terrible testimony. It weakens us. So the devil seeks to divide the church at every time, at every turn. But a, a united church is a strong church. Let me be clear Again, that, that unity is, is always based on the fundamentals of the Christian faith, on that strong doctrine. We cannot just be united with anyone, any wind of doctrine, any other religion, all these ecumenical services. We can't be united with that. Brothers and sisters, we can't because we have to be united upon the one way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to come to me, but that is the only way to the Father. Yet we must be humble. We must be united as true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that the world might know that we are his disciples. You know, practically that might mean humbly apologizing this morning even perhaps to someone. It might mean putting your arm around a brother or a sister that's here in the congregation that you haven't done so for a very long time, maybe never. It might mean that you might need to do the extra mile uh, for the church here, realizing that you've just been coming along on a Sunday and really not putting anything into our ser your service to this place. And you know that to be a part of this church, you must be serving. Maybe it's to do that extra mile. Maybe it's, it's simply uh, to, to just say sorry. Whatever it is. We need to be striving for this union. Maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Why do we need to do that? Well, let's read here in this verse. It says, There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. You know, one God, one Father over all, who is through all, is over all and through all and in all. Now, one of my favorite bands uh, growing up was, was U2. Back in the 80s, they were a great band. I think they did, weren't so good as they, as they went along. But those early years were excellent. And I was a big fan. And they, they did write a reasonably good song in the 90s, too. And it, it was this one in 1991. It was called One. It was called One. It said, one love, one blood, one life. You've got to do what you should. One life with each other. Sisters, brothers, one life. And we're not the same. We get to carry each other, carry each other, one. Okay, you may know that song. 
But that was the lyrics from there. They imagine mankind's oneness in the fact that they have one blood, we live one life, and we live one, uh, one blood and one love. Yet the church, but yet for us as a church, our oneness is, is to be based upon one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith in the Lord, and one baptism in, in the name of the Lord. One God, one Father of all. Do you see the difference? There is a difference, isn't there? We are united in our worship of one God, the triune God, who is three in one. He is who we are to be united in. It does not matter how many world aspirations there are and dreams of peace and harmony and all of those things. They, they all may want that. They will not find it without Jesus Christ. It must be oneness in God. Another famous singer, of course, was John Lennon, a great song. And he, he wrote the song Imagine, probably the most famous song of all time. And he said, imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. Has it happened? Will it happen? You know, such statements are such pie-in-the-sky stuff, aren't they? Good sentiments, good thoughts perhaps, but that unity can only come from Jesus Christ. Get that into your heads, brothers and sisters. It's the only way uh, for unity. True unity, true oneness, true harmony can only be achieved by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in each one of us who are saved. One body, one spirit, one Lord, faith, baptism, and God over Father. That is where true unity is found. And we are to walk together by his spirit as one body in Jesus Christ, reflecting his glory. Secondly, in it, unity in our ministry. Many of you do know that I, I serve with New Tribes Mission, and, and our organization is, is an organization that, that, that works in the most remote people groups around the world, trying to bring the gospel. And uh, uh, one of the things I do like about a mission, and you've heard much about it before, so I'm not going to go talk to, too long about that. Uh, but one of the things I do like is that we don't just send individuals into a people group. We always send a team or we do our best to send a team. There are certain times when we don't have a full team and, and uh, we're not able to do it. But for the most part, usually three families will, will go into a people group. And that's a great thing. It's a great thing that they can go in there, they can work there to, to do the various things. It will be made up of people of all different gifts and abilities. And they go in there and they can, can uh, begin to learn that language from scratch. They can uh, teach literacy. They can uh, teach through the word of God and then finally get to share the gospel and then see a church planted in that place with scripture in their hands. That's what we're about. We want that team to get all the way through to that stage. Once again, though, the devil doesn't like that, does he? he what, the last thing he wants to see is to see a people group reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He doesn't want it. Of course he doesn't. He would seek to see that team split apart at every point. And you know, one of the saddest things that I've seen is in the 30 years that I've been with New Tribes Mission is seeing a team split apart. Because often that means that the work is destroyed, certainly hindered, it's certainly slowed. But sometimes the work can be utterly destroyed and there's no one reaching those people with the gospel of Jesus Christ anymore. Because the team is split apart. Now, there are real reasons why they split apart sometimes. Sometimes the, the intensity of just three families working together in a remote place, far away from everything else, it's tough. 
getting along in all of those situations. But when it happens, it's so sad. The devil would seek to split a team like that apart. It's a tragedy when it happens. Verses 7 to to, uh, uh, 13 here. uh, Let me just read those verses to you. But grace was given to each one of us according to the message of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the, the earth. He, has, he, has, he who descended is the one who also descended far above all the heavens, that he might fill, but might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for their work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to, tr- to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's often been said that uh, unity is not uniformity. And that's true, isn't it? There are great differences. As you look around the congregation that t- today, you'll look around and you say, well, I'm not the same as him. Well, that's right, you're not. You're not all the same. And praise God, we're all individuals, aren't we? There's a difference between us. You know, there's all kinds of personalities, all kinds of gifts, all kinds of abilities, and God is using us in in different ways. Paul says that grace was given to each one of us here. It says that in this verse, doesn't it? Individually, according to the measure of Christ's gift. The work of Christ has made it possible for us to experience the grace of God and the riches of God, which includes God's gifting towards us. Every one of you has received gifts if you are Jesus Christ. You have been given at least one gift, I believe. Paul makes that very clear in this passage. We are all, as believers, gifted in different ways. Now, he lists here some gifts that are leadership gifts primarily. He speaks of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. These are kind of the upfront sort of gifts very often. But that is just some of the spiritual gifts that he lists. In other places, we read in Romans, we think here of the gift of serving. The gift of exhortation. We, we see the gift of giving, the gift of mercy. Then in 1 Corinthians, you could add the gift of words of wisdom and words of knowledge and faith and discernment, the gift of healings, the gift of miracles and, and tongues. Now, while my theological background would say that not all of these gifts are for us now, I will say that, that as believers, every one of you has one of those gifts, at least one of those gifts. You know, all of us have something that God has given us to use in service to him, in that united service to him uh, with the church. Those gifts perhaps might not be apparent right now. Maybe you don't realize what your gift is. Now, it's it's very often others that will see that gift rather than you yourself, and others will perhaps point that out. But God wants to use you and your gift or gifts uh, in his church. Can I ask you the question, are you beginning to use your gifts in this church? Are you contributing to the life of this church? Are you building it up in unity as we're asked to do? Are you playing your part? Because we are one body. First Corinthians says this, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any lesser part of the body. 
If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, which you are not, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Many parts. I'm looking at them right now. Many parts. What body part are you? Are you a hand or a foot? Are you an eye? Maybe an ear? Each of you is a gifted member of this church and have a vital part to play in the life of the church. So important. So important. You have a part to play in this church and the church universal as well. God is at work around the world. We've seen some of that this morning, haven't we? And you are a part of it. You are valuable. God wants to use your life, your gifts, your abilities, your time uh, to contribute to the life of this church. You know, sadly, we live in an age where suicide rates uh, are on the increase, especially amongst our young people. It's so tragic to, when we hear of those, those times where, where young people just say that what life is just not worth living. It's that they have no value. They don't place any value upon their lives. And that should never be so. It should never be so in the world, but it should never be so, especially in the church. God says each one of you has value. He tells us we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a purpose and plan for each one of you, every one of you this morning. He doesn't want us to sit around and, and moan on the sidelines. He wants us to be actively involved in his work. One body, all members functioning. That is the biblical church model. Lincoln Baptist Church, are you united, you united in service for him? I know it's just this morning, there's so much in here. I haven't got time. I can't even go into the, the ascended and descended and all of that stuff this morning. I haven't got time this morning. I'm going to move quickly on to, to thirdly and finally, uh, the, the unite, unity in our growth. Unity in our growth. I grew up in a tiny village in New, the New Forest in Hampshire. It's a, it's a lovely part of the world, just as Lincolnshire is. I'm not complaining about up here as well. But that's where I grew up. And it was right out in the countryside. And I loved to go for a walk. I would head out into, I still love going walking. I love walking the wolds and everything else. But, but there was lots of woods around where I lived. And just walk up the lane and the New Forest ponies would be all, all walking up and down. And I would just go out into the woods and just enjoy it. But have you ever, you've all would have walked in woods. Isn't that a wonderful place? where well, you can hear the birds singing and you can see the variety of trees. There might be some elm growing here, some oak growing over there, perhaps a lovely hornbeam or, or perhaps, perhaps an elder. Who knows what trees you might see? Beaches. I love beaches in the spring particularly. I have lovely beech wood. But usually there's a mix of trees, especially the deciduous type forests. And you, sit, you look around and think, thank you, Lord, what a beauty. But you know, one of those trees on its own, uh, growing is not a forest, is it? And it wouldn't have the same beauty of a forest. Now, when a forest is growing together, when we look around and we see this wonderful green, it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Are you guys growing together as a church? That's what Paul's getting at here. Growing together and we become a beautiful thing. The Lincoln Baptist will be a beautiful thing in the city of Lincoln if you're growing together, if you're growing together. Growth is key to our unity. As we, we grow in our walk with God, as we mature in our faith, it, it should be by the Holy Spirit's help 
should draw us more and more together, closer and closer together as a church. It says here in these final verses, let's just quickly read them, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the, the waves and carried out about by the, every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joins and held together by every joint which, is, uh, which it is equipped which each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Equipping, building, maturing, attaining, growing, words that we see in these verses, don't we? These are right here for us, and they're all about us coming together, growing into something really uh, tremendous. You know, as, we, as, a, as, as individuals and members of the church grow and mature in Christ, so in turn the church will become more united and energized and equipped to reach out to our community and even beyond to those places that we've seen this morning. But not only that, there's something else here that I noticed, that as, as we grow together, as we become more solid upon those wonderful foundations of God's Word, then we will be more ready to deal with false teaching when it comes. When those false teachers come with, with, with strange ideas, those, those members that come in that with, with, with ideas that just seek to, to undermine uh, the, the, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. When Satan comes in and tries to disrupt, as, as he has done since the Garden of Eden, always asking that same question, hath God said? You will know what is false, for you are grounded upon God's word the hairs on the back of your neck will go up when you hear that false doctrine, when you, you hear something that is contrary to what Jesus Christ said. And you will want it gone. You will stand strong. You will resist the strange and the untrue because you are one as a church and you will be able to fight those deceitful schemes that are mentioned here because you have the God-given spiritual strength to do so. Do you see how important it is to be a united as a church. Do you see it in Jesus Christ to be one? We have far too many enemies out there to be fighting amongst ourselves. We must maintain the unity of the Spirit. Are you eager to do so? Bear with one another. Be patient. Be humble. Be gentle. Be truthful, but speak that truth in love, with care. Don't just, just go in there with a bulldozer with the truth. Do it gently. If we follow this pattern, there will be no room for infighting. My family has, has a family hymn that we, uh, as we grew up, we would, as we got together at Christmas or other times, we would sing this, this, this hymn. And we called it our, our family hymn. It's blessed be the tie that binds. It says, blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. Before our Father's throne, we pour our ardent prayers, our fears, our hopes, our aims, our one, our comforts and our cares. We share our mutual woes, our mutual burdens bear, and often for each other flows the sympathizing tear. When we are caught apart in life, it gives us inward pain, but we shall live and still be joined in heart and hope to meet again. You know, each one of us must do our part. We are called to maintain the unity of the Spirit. 
In verse 3, we see this, don't we? Maintain the unity of the Spirit. And we must not take that charge, that command lightly. Let me just finish with the words of David in Psalm 133. It says there, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Just one word from C.H. Spurgeon, who says this, Oh, for more of this, of this rare virtue, not the love that which comes and goes, but that which dwells, not that spirit which separates and secludes, but that which dwells together, not that mind which is all for debate and difference, but that which dwells together in unity. Amen. Father, thank you uh, for your word. And Lord, just give us the strength by your Holy Spirit, because Lord, we can't do it of ourselves. Unite us by your Holy Spirit to be a church, Lord, that reaches out, to be a church, Lord, that is of great use to your mighty plan in this world. Lord, use us, we pray. Unite us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.